Here's an awesome episode brought to you by our friends at AccuShield. Enjoy. Communities and facilities probably are going to be safer moving forward than they ever have been. They know that they're going to go see mom or dad or brother or sister in a facility and there's an opportunity to go to the zoo. They might not do it. We have had millions of question answered on our kiosk. Welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast, your go-to source for professional insights in the long-term care industry. Hear from leaders and experts as they share current and practical insights to help make the most of your day. I'm a long-term care financial specialist. What that means is I help people plan for the inevitable. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to think about getting old, but it's possible that someday we might need a little bit of care. Here's your host, nursing home administrator turned podcaster, Shmuel Septimus. Welcome to another live recording of the Nursing Home Podcast, the only podcast that you need to listen to to learn everything that you need to know about this space, about this fascinating, confusing. Many people are, I guess, misinformed about this space, and especially now with COVID-19 coronavirus hitting the nursing home space so hard. There's so much information, so much misinformation, and this actually affects not just the nursing home population, but their family members, the service providers, and anyone else who integrates with the nursing home space as well. And visitation has been a challenge always. I had to manage visitors, and we could talk stories about that another time, about visitors who abuse their privilege. But right now, we've realized the importance of visitation in a nursing home space, and how do we deal with it when visitors are not allowed in? But today we're going to focus more on, as we do allow them in, how can we allow them in in a safe way that they will be able to maximize their time together with their loved ones without uh, raising any risks to themselves, to the residents, and also satisfying all the new, you know, complying with all the new regulations. So today I'm really pumped. We have um, with us today, Charles Mann is the co-founder of AccuShield a digital sign-in kiosk technology company, as well as the owner of an assisted living facility and several hospice facilities. Charles is a guy who gets it. He's not just an outsider who's trying to you know, provide products and services. He's someone who actually was in the trenches, is in the trenches. And I really love having these types of people on the show because they get our world. So guys, you're going to appreciate what we're going to discuss today. And Josh, thank you for joining us as well. Josh Harris is the director of sales for AccuShield and kind of made pulled this thing together. So thank you for pulling that up. So Charles, before we um, before we jump in here too deeply, I you know I love for our listeners and the viewers who are watching us now live on LinkedIn, if they can learn a little bit about who's Charles, how did he come to do what he's doing right now? Before we learn about what he knows about this about the nursing home space. So Charles, tell tell us who you are professionally. Sure, sure. I, I think it starts for me uh, when I was about 10 years old and my father uh, had this idea that he wanted to provide care uh, for seniors. And, and at that point in time, really the only care for seniors uh, was in a skilled nursing setting on the long care, uh, long-term care side. And, mm-hmm. and he put together a, a group of individuals and created uh, the first assisted living, which was called personal care uh, in, in the late 80s in Atlanta, Georgia. So that was dinner table discussion. And as things progressed, uh, he continued to build and operate communities. He also 
was involved in home health and hospice, which are sort of ancillary skilled uh, sectors of the market and, and really uh, brought me to, to uh, have a passion uh, for seniors. And uh, about 10 years ago, um, I wanted to get into the uh, senior housing market, more on the uh, higher level of care, more on the higher uh, acuity uh, sort of care, so memory care, but really a, a, an area of uh, the sector that I think uh, was missing, which is sort of the, the uh, distance between an assisted living and a skilled nursing uh, facility. So um, went to work uh, with my father about 10 years ago and, and spent about a year uh, with uh, rolling up my sleeves and understanding true operations in that environment. Uh, and then moving forward, I, I saw a need um, and that was a need to address the people that were coming and going, whether that is a visitor, a family member, a home health provider, a vendor uh, or an employee. Right. Because really there weren't a there wasn't a good method. And so I uh, talked with uh, my father and, and he felt that uh, I should spread my wings and, and become a real entrepreneur. And it was uh, incredibly scary. But the good news was, is that I, I had the background uh, that I learned from from my father. And uh, he was an expert in, in all things senior. And so that brings me here uh, today um, in a place that uh, we're, we're really addressing uh, the health security of facilities. And it's a tough place right now. And, and seniors and families and that isolation component without being able to see families and friends uh, is really affecting the industry um, in a negative way. And so I've been excited to be a part of a lot of different uh, initiatives to uh, whether it be through a, a mobile Skype solution or, uh, you know, other types of, of uh, you know, FaceTime with residents. But it, it, it still doesn't, uh, it doesn't quench the need of physical interaction. And so that's where we are today, right? And, um, and that's kind of where we've landed as a business is trying to help facilities and communities uh, with creating uh, those processes to allow visitors and vendors and third parties back into a facility and community environment. Uh, first of all, thank you for that full uh, background. So we have a good idea of who you are. Um, secondly, I love your dad. Yeah, I never met him. But <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea who he is. But he didn't give you the silver spoon and didn't say, well, my dad has places. You know, yeah. you're going to be the CEO of the company. Yeah, you could be. You still don't know how to write yeah. an email. And you've never <laughs> attended yeah. any meetings. And you no. don't really know what seniors are. And unfortunately, that is prevalent. And sometimes, you know, a, a boost is sometimes, you know, there are kids who can step up to it and make it happen. But the people who actually are forced to learn the business like you did and to work their way up and to find a place, you know, find the right opportunity where you've, you've like you so articulately explained, you expressed that you found the need. There is something here. There's the forgotten component of the senior care space, which is true many times for sure in a nursing home setting, we're so busy providing the care for the residents. We're so busy making sure we have adequate staffing and, su mm -hmm. and supplies and ensuring the, so to speak, high level uh, key functions of the nursing home are going smoothly, that someone's coming in, someone's going out, 
yeah, we have someone at reception who's usually not on their phone yeah. or playing solitaire or out on break again. Right. And, you know, the activities person who's taking them over might know where the phone is and things like that. So it's, it's a mismanaged process. And really, besides for visitation, you know, there's a security challenges also. I found people in my building who shouldn't have been in there and we right. had to invite them to leave. And, right. you know, that could be a real challenge. But before we go too, too deep into this, Josh, if you don't mind just sharing with us how you came to be a part of uh, AccuShield and, you know, how are you enjoying your role in the company right now? Yeah, I appreciate it. So um, I joined AccuShield about a year and a half ago, um, was working for them out in Austin and actually moved to the headquarters in Atlanta about a year ago. I was going to say, you don't sound like Atlanta. (laughs) I'm from Alabama, actually. That's not a Texas accent. but uh, (laughs) Well, it's not New York. (laughs) My mom's from Rochester, though, so it's in there somewhere. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, So, you know, what, what, what my role has been is really just a customer out. Um, facing out role, speaking to those customers each day in the different communities. And what really I've learned from AccuShield and speaking with all these different communities is that everybody has something different. Um, there's either different state regulations or there's different different regulations that each community has and different ways they want to go about it. Um, so there's different challenges mm-hmm. and different successes as well. Um, so speaking with 50 to 60 different communities a week now, um, really getting to learn the industry and how much goes into it, um, how much goes into knowing who's in your community, how important it is, why is it important to know who's in your community. That's really what drove me to this company um, to work for AccuShield was not only being able to work for a good technology, but being able to do something that matters. In sales, you don't always get to do that. But coming to a company where you can legitimately help out an industry um, really helps and being confident in a product that can help is, is what you look for as a salesperson. And it's rare to be able to help each day, not just the company, but an entire industry. Um, so that's that really what me to come here about a year ago. Um, from a safety and security standpoint, before COVID hit, still knowing who's in your building is very, very important. Um, you really need to track who's coming and going. And there was not a way that communities are doing it outside of a paper sign-in book. Um, so that's right. really what drove me to move to Austin, a cl- little bit closer to home, see the family, um, be able to go to the lake more, but also get to work for a uh, company that's making a big difference in the uh, in the industry, not only the industry, but in the entire country. All right. Well, excellent. It's, it's you know, Charles, it's good to hear someone believing in your product like that. This is someone who did not grow up as part of your family, did not grow up with the same background as you but has recognized the need that your, that your product is filling. I mean, this is really, um, you know, it's really fantastic to have them on board. But let's, let's go back to, you know, visitation in general in the nursing home space. Um, we, we know how critical it is. The first stage, if you will, um, of the impact of COVID before even talking about the health, just from the lockdown, was that residents were completely shut off from the world. And for many residents, um, as as we know, um, sometimes their family members came every day, right? We had, you know, a certain daughter came every day, every morning with Dunkin' Donuts, you know, all the things that the facility didn't let her have, she would sneak in for years yeah. and years, right? Yeah. And, you know, all the diabetics getting all the sugar and whatever they need. And when that stops, you know, that, yeah. okay, here's the pet peeve. Residents are people. Residents are us several years on. And I, it bothers me when yeah. I see people making a disconnect. It's like the whole world and then those nursing home people. Those nursing home people are, when you look out the window today, 
that's the, those are the same people. Yeah. So imagine if we were sitting, you know, do it, sit, go to a nursing home, sit in the middle bed of a three bedroom, if they still exist, which they do on the fourth floor, you know, in the back corner room by yourself with a small TV that people keep on walking back and forth, blocking it. You cannot get out of bed. Your only distraction was looking forward to and reminiscing about your loved one's visit. Sometimes it can be a week. Sometimes I've heard residents, you know, talking about someone's going to come in six months. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm eating for lunch. You're talking about yeah. six months from now. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, when you're in that type of setting, um, the social isolation can be so critical. So that was the first step. The first step was what you mentioned earlier. was figuring out Skype, FaceTime, WhatsApp, video, whatever you can figure out. There's so many different solutions. And, you know, you need someone within the facility coordinating all of that. And that's not simple. But right. now in many states or in many locations, they're starting to open up first outdoor visitation. So first of all, tr- educate us. Well, what are the you know regulations um, in certain states? You know, w- what are the phases of visitation, and at what point are people actually allowed back into the buildings? Yeah, so it's all over the board, and and we wouldn't have enough time for me to go through all fifty states and and go over the difference in regulations. Um, yeah, please don't. But, yeah. <laughs> Just a high level. Yeah, but being from New York, that's sort of what's in the news right now. And, sure. you know, New York is starting that phase three visitation process. And there's a lot that's going into that. And, you know, I was looking at a, uh, a uh, article and, and just to start, start here um, and then talk through why it's taken so long for really the visitation uh, allowance um, in the skilled nursing environment is is what they're saying is 42% uh, of U.S. deaths from COVID-19 are coming from assisted living or skilled nursing. And so that's why it is very um, uh, difficult to to open up the doors and you have to do it in, in the proper way. And so uh, right now, um, in many parts of the country, including New York, uh, they are starting to allow visitation um, primarily outdoors, if possible, um, to, to help with uh, the distance piece. Um, but there's a lot that is, is mandated and, and a lot that has uh, really come to um, being part of, of this new normal, right? And, and, and really the issue is, One, making sure that people don't have symptoms, obviously wearing the proper gear, um, making sure that that the distance piece um, in the six to 10 feet um, of distance between the patient or the resident and the people that are coming in to really limit as well the number of people that are allowed to be in the facility visiting a resident or patient. So right now, uh, for the most part, and this is to include New York, uh, they're limiting two people at a time. I was thinking it would be more like one. Yeah, just to clarify, two people per resident. Per resident at a time. Correct. Got it. Um, and they're also setting limits on just number of people overall in a facility. And so, um, you know, there's a lot that, that is being, uh, you know, we're sort of flying this plane as we build it, right, with regulation. And that's not easy to do. Um, but, you know, at some point we've got to put our stake in the ground and say, you know what, we're going to open up these buildings and we're going to do it as safely as possible. And the thing that's interesting, I think, that's come out of this, um, I think, 
focus on visitors is these are some things that we as an industry have probably always wanted to do with our visitors because flu, as you know, is a, a big issue in, in, in senior living as well as skilled nursing. And there's other viruses, there's other illnesses that actually can probably be addressed before a visitor walks into a community or a facility environment. And this is giving operators an opportunity with, and I'll just call it that way, I guess that the help of, of this virus to really screen the people that are coming and going. Because as you know, when I have a resident that goes out and, and they've got some core morbidities and they're, they're older of age, is this scary? It's scary. And that was probably brought in from someone on the outside. So you mean those signs that they put on the front door that say, do you have any symptoms that doesn't prevent people from actually coming in anyway? You know, um, probably not. We, we certainly do have some rule followers out there. I feel like I'm one of them. But I think that wearing, no a, mask, yeah, <laughs> wearing a mask is good, right? And wearing a mask around especially those individuals, that is a good thing. And mm -hmm. you know what? There's times where it might not help, but that one time it does, then it makes it all worth it. And so to me, I look at this being in the industry for 30 years with a father and a developer and an operator, communities and facilities probably were going to be safer moving forward than they ever have been. And so that is the silver lining with this whole situation is finally, wow. finally some enforced controls are able to be put in place to maybe do more than they ever have. And so I've I am going to go on record. I think moving forward in 2021, 2022, facilities and communities are probably going to be safer places. And when a nursing home gets any outbreak, a flu outbreak or right. anything, it's it's very serious. And many times residents are going to die. You right. know, anything, every winter. That's why they're very busy with the flu shot. And, and that's why those signs are there, frankly. Yeah. The question only is, um, you know, how effective are they? But now that people are getting used to the concept, the average guy in the street almost never wore a mask until COVID-19, right? Right. How, if you're not in a healthcare facility and you're generally healthy and hang around healthy people, wearing a mask is like, I'm not a doctor. And many people have a hesitation to wear it because it's uncomfortable. It's weird. If you go into a doctor's office mm -hmm. pre COVID and you sneeze and they give you a mask, like, I don't need that. Well, yeah. something wrong with me. Right. Yeah. But yeah. now that has changed. Right. Maybe it's not perfect. People realize, like you said, a mask is good. Uh, you know, masks actually, um, you know, they help. They save lives. And, you know, people still don't love wearing them. Sure. However, um, people, that, that is something that's changing. And people will be more open to following the PPE rules. Again, there were isolation rooms in nursing homes, assisted livings, where you have someone in there who has an infectious disease where you're supposed to always be going and gowning up every time. Does it always right. happen? The staff hopefully do it correctly and they know how to, where to throw out the stuff once they're done. But does it happen when visitors come in? Not all the time, let's be honest, right? Yeah. yeah. But this is, like you said, I, I love what you said. This is the silver lining is that people are okay taking it seriously. Now, there's almost, I'm, I'm thinking out loud now, but I think this might be true. There's almost like a psychological thing of this. If you take precautions, it means that the problem is real. So if I actually have to put on a mask, then what am I doing here? If I actually have a cold and I can't come in here, does that mean I have something inside of me that can kill people? The answer is, yeah, it does. But at the same time, 
there are things that could be done about it, right? You can you can gown up, and you could also not come in. You can, or if you need a visit, like we mentioned earlier, it's so crucial to have those visits. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out. Let's be creative. Let's, it doesn't have to be, you know, sitting on the chair right next to mom's bed, right next to mom's right. roommates, and you might be, you know, bringing all sorts of stuff in. So, having the fact that a screening process is real, having the fact that the option to say no is real, the 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 concept of wearing a mask is okay and you can have a decent time together yeah. even when you're wearing an ugly looking gown yeah. and whoever wants to make nice looking gowns you know this might be an opportunity for you also <laughs> but, right maybe your other business maybe josh's will be your business there you go. don't tell charles don't right me. don't leave me <laughs> exactly that's what i'm saying yeah, that is one uh, you know from speaking with all these different operators at different communities is that before like Charles mentioned, this is something that everybody has probably wanted to do for a while. Um, and now families and friends, like you said, didn't want to do it. They're feeling, and then the residents didn't feel like they needed to make people do it because this is their homes. But people are starting to realize that even when coming into somebody's home, you still need to take precaution. These, these are people are at risk. And you hear that word on the news all the time, at risk. And you're right. People can be coming in with different illnesses that can affect at-risk people that might not affect them as much beyond COVID. And so this is really helping with people realizing how important it is to take that little extra step, you know, just a little extra step. We're not, you're not asking for too much here. A little extra step can go a long ways. And I think people around the world, when they're going to different, um, whether it's an assisted or a skilled or any part of senior living, even to their, uh, an older person's house, they're going to take those precautions now. And I think it's going to really help with the, uh, like Charles mentioned, making senior living and skilled nursing facilities a lot safer place for people to be in because um, they're going to be taking these extra 30 second to 45 second precautions um, that really don't take a lot of time or effort. No, that is so true. Um, as far as what you said, this extends beyond the senior care space. This extends beyond uh, nursing homes and assisted livings. Right? This is true for, for everybody. If you're going to go to you know, anybody who's at risk and you could show up and you show up there in a mask, people are not going to laugh at you. They even mm-hmm. say, what are you doing? Like, Hey, calm down. This is just a news story. You know, people, people are going to be understandable. If you're not going to visit somebody, you know, I got my parents onto zoom, you know, they're, they're, they're young at heart, but uh, they're, they're not young when it comes to technology. I love them dearly. Um, they're never listening to this, but that was a big deal. The isolation was a big deal for them. Right. Uh, the isolation was a very big deal and having that connection was was great, but they're used to tons of in-person visits. And, you know, that happens all the time. I'm from a large family and, you know, there's a lot of children who live locally and grandchildren, even great grandchildren. And you know, it's a big deal if no one can come. And now finally, you know, now they kind of in phase three themselves. But the point is this this concept extends. You know, if you want, you can even look at your work as a mission. And it's not just what you're doing, but it's what the skilled facilities, the assisted living facilities are doing, extends beyond just making sure that, you know, uh, diseases don't enter the facility. Yeah. It's a general understanding and awareness that we're bringing to the greater society that it's okay to confront some of these challenges head on. It's okay to take steps Mm -hmm. to measure things, to, you know, to put on protective equipment and to adjust our plans you know, we're in denial mode a lot of times, right? That, like you we were saying earlier, you know, I don't need a mask. I don't need a check. It doesn't matter if I have a temperature. I always have, you know, if I have 101, I can work for a week straight with 101. Eventually, it just goes away. Well, that's great. And that's you. And that's because you're young and healthy. 
And hopefully you're right and there's nothing else underlying. And the goal is not to scare yeah. people, but don't come into a nursing home that way because right. you might be a carrier of something that's going to kill people. Yeah. Right. Or it can get them, you know, a serious infection. So I think that by carefully screening um, visitors as they come in, we're actually, you know, the people who leave are like, wait, I went into a nursing home today. I've been going there for years and now they're actually taking my temperature. Now they're actually asking serious questions. Now it's not just you walk by and you end up in a residence room. Who are you here for? Who are you visiting? Why are you visiting them? Uh, obviously, there's a customer service piece uh, there as well. Um, but I do think, I mean, Josh, to your point, that this is bring a greater awareness. You know, yeah. it used to be you go to a hospital, you go to the ICU. Yeah. Um, you, you know, so then you understand that you can't bring certain things in. Like, this is a danger zone. You come in there, you do your thing, and you leave. But a place right. that we kind of hang out, those are supposed to be safe spaces where we, we could just be us. And okay. now we're saying that that's not necessarily always the case. Again, there'll be different phases and hopefully there'll be a point where it may be more okay. And, or if you pass the screening process, you go into an airplane, right? You know, as unfortunately events have occurred, security has changed dramatically. Pre-9-11, post-9-11, yeah. each unfortunate event. So now they check your shoes and they check your belt. Yeah. Are you upset that they're doing it? If they're if they steal my deodorant, I'm upset, but otherwise I'm okay, right? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I, I'm on the plane. I'm not looking around to see who's the guy with the gun in his pocket. I'm not looking yeah. to see who's the guy with the bomb because I'm I'm trusting the system. I'm doing my yeah. best, and when I'm there, I know that they're doing this to me, and hopefully they're going to do this to anybody else, and hopefully they find stuff. Yeah. So I think that this is like a mind shift, you know, that's going. It's almost like a movement that. In general, you know, there's initially like a lot of people are just like COVID is the news. It's China. It's somewhere else. It's the other countries. It's the west part of the country. It was getting too close to you, Josh. It was getting closer to Texas, right? But when it was in California, in Washington, but uh, over here in New York, we're like, oh, who cares about Washington? We're in New York. <laughs> you know, right. we're we're not vulnerable. But I think the concept over here is that no, let, let's let's confront these things. You don't die by confronting them, and unfortunately, you may if you don't. So let's confront them in the right way and let's screen people when they're coming in without it doesn't mean you can't visit it doesn't mean Dunkin Donuts has to go out of business hopefully okay I'm sorry I'll get off my little rant there for a minute but I really I get me excited here because I really think that this is this is a mind shift for people you know and instead of fighting it and saying no I'm not going to wear it and you know you you're in a public space where it's questionable if you need to wear a mask so if you make your own decision not to good for you if yeah. if that's okay but don't look down at the guy who's doing it right yeah. because you don't know what's going first of all you don't know who that person is you don't know their own uh health risks and they're taking a level of precautions that you're not good for them uh you know hopefully you're in a place that it's okay for you to do that as well all right i'll shut up now but no, uh, you, you, I, just, you just got me thinking there go ahead Charles. I, i'm right there with you and you know if you rewind uh you know 10 months from today and you were to try and explain to a visitor why they need to wear a mask or why they need to put hand sanitizer on and why we need to know where they're going, you're going to get a lot of pushback, right? Because while we live in the freest country, sometimes freedom can be tough on small businesses and facilities, especially healthcare facilities. And so now as an operator at heart, if a visitor, a family member, a friend comes in and they don't understand that a mask and a gown or gloves or a temperature screening, it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable at this point in time to push back on that. And that to me is why I am a believer that facilities and communities 
can be a safer environment than it ever has been. And that is my message as an operator with my staff and my two assisted living communities is, hey, here's our opportunity to make it better. And people get it now. And so when I say that, you know, I, I believe that. And so, you know, with our technology as well, we're able to augment that care with automation, temperatures, COVID-19 screening questions. Those are the kind of things that are very acceptable now. I mean, just the other day, um, I went into the grocery store and they checked my temperature. I just dropped off my car uh, to get some work done on it. They checked my temperature. That's acceptable. And you know what? In society, at least on the skilled nursing and the assisted living side, it's a good thing. And I believe it's here to stay and I hope it is. So well, um, well, it should have been that well, way. A while. We just were never able to do it. Right. I mean, truth be told, you know, um, even with screening questions, you know, the, you can't lie on a temperature scan, obviously. Yeah. But screening questions, it, it's not a perfect system. It never will be because dealing with human beings that we're not perfect beings. Yeah. yeah. But it's I think it's more it's a mindset shift. You're coming into a nursing home. Just like if there's a guy I'm going to take my airplane example again. But if you if you have a guy who's on the potential risk of someone coming on an airplane, it's very clear. You look up in the sky and you see a passenger airline explode in midair, which, God forbid, we should never see that. You understand that that's a problem, right? Yep. There's going to be 500 people there who yeah. probably will will no longer live. So if we can understand that bringing in a infectious disease, being a carrier of such a thing, even if you're healthy and right. you don't have symptoms that enough that are going to keep you home but that's because you're you but you're carrying that with you and if you drop that bomb off in a nursing home and walk out and continue on your merry day you're going to leave a bomb behind you in the nursing home mm -hmm. that's a very serious thing now it may not explode immediately right. it may never be tracked back to you you may never know that it was you you may get away with it so to speak yeah. um and you probably had no evil intention to begin with you're probably right. there for good reasons most people go to nursing homes yep. to visit are going there either to provide care Right, to spend time with a loved one, uh, to provide a service mm -hmm. or something like that. Right, usually the people who are going there are there there for good reasons. But by being careless on other people's expense, it'll have a dramatic negative impact, and um, yeah, and then that can be a very serious problem. So you know, just to say one thing about the, the 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 COVID questionnaires, you know, we we've done a deep dive into the answering of questions. And, and while you're right, people can certainly not tell the truth. I think there are a lot of people out there that forget that they have been in large crowds, that forget that they have taken fever-reducing medication eight hours ago, right? And so those are the kind of, of questions that, oh my gosh, you know what? I Yeah, I went to a the zoo and I was around a lot of people while it was outside, I was still there. You know what? That gives me the opportunity as an operator to say, you know what? With that said, I know you're not going to like to hear this, but that's an issue. And it's not just about the patient or resident you're here to see. It's about everybody else. And so with that, I would ask you to wait two weeks and come back when you haven't been around anyone else because this is the most vulnerable population on the planet. And you know what? People forget about that stuff, right?
if a, if a one of the questions in my community is, have you had any, have you taken any fever reducing medication in the last eight hours? If they say yes, my next question is why, right? Are you not feeling well? Do you have back pain? And let me take your temperature, okay? And then maybe even I want to understand your pulse oximetry reading, which is also a big part of it. Now, there's people that are asymptomatic, get it. But to have those advanced conversations with people is a helpful thing. And while I know a lot of times we think of it as just a piece of paper, it really can help. It can, not always, but certainly by the way you structure and you ask, you get, start to get people to think, right? So guess That's what? Great point, Charles. The next time, right, they know that they're going to go see mom or dad or brother or sister in a facility and there's an opportunity to go to the zoo, they might not do it because they're good people and they want to tell the truth. I, I believe that. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to, to put that out there about the COVID-19 questionnaires. We have had millions of questions answered on our kiosk. And I looked back and about 10,000 pe 10, people had answered yes to questions about COVID-19. So it's a real thing and it can help. Um, it's not the silver bullet, but certainly I think part of the the process and, and the part of the process that's probably here to stay. Wow. I mean, a part of your point is that the questionnaire itself is it's an educational tool because by asking these questions, you're, you're without forcing them to sit down to an in-service, which they'll never do, uh, without putting it in an email newsletter, which they'll never read, you're this is very practical. You know, adults, we learn by doing. So yeah, you're yeah. in the nursing home, right? And you're coming in, to, you want to get in, so to speak. And you're right, the, the overwhelming majority of people who are coming in are good people who want to do the right thing all the time. And they're going to say, oh, you trigger their memory. You'll, you're educating them on what's important. And for right now, they might say, oh my goodness, even though I drove in an hour and I canceled work for today and all this, uh, and they may be very upset, but they, they'll maybe more understanding. And if not, then the operator's job is to help them understand, yeah. if you know what I mean. We but but more importantly is that next time, like you said, when they're out and about in the community, they're going to say, one second, where am I going? You know, if this is important to me and if visiting mom is so critical, don't say, even though I was exposed, I must go see mom for her sanity. Say, let me be careful about what I do with myself. Let me make sure I stay healthy. Let me make sure I, I'm not exposed. Let me make sure I, I can honestly answer no to all those questions. Um so that we can uh, go in and have healthy, safe visitation mm -hmm. without putting anybody at risk. I just see now I, I'm thoroughly enjoying this conversation. I hope everyone who's listening is as well. And I just seeing some of the comments here, some of the things we will not be able to get to right now about uh, video conferencing and things like that. Um, but let's just try to wrap this up a little bit, um, discussing a little bit about the specifics of the technology. So having a check-in system obviously is critical um, and much more effective and much more practical, frankly, than having somebody there asking these questions and forming a line and doing things like that. Um, what is what is unique about what your system does? And I'm also actually more curious to know, like, where are these questions coming from? Are these AccuShields questions? Are these coming from operators? What's unique about you is that you're both, so you probably you are qualified to do both. But I'm just curious to know how is the screening system set up to begin with? Sure, um, I'll I'll take part of this and then I'll pass part of it uh, to Josh in regards to the okay. screen. Uh, 
questions. Um, so the process that my family used for 20, 25, 30 years um, was someone would walk in to the facility. They would sign a paper sign-in book. They would put the time they signed in, the resident they're there to see, and they would go on their way. And that's mm-hmm. the way it's been for a very long time. And, you know, seven years ago, we said, you know what? I think operators really need to know who people are that come into the building and where they're going, what patient, what resident they're there to see. You know, are they with a home health agency? Are they a family friend? Are they a volunteer? Do we have a picture of that person? And so those are all the things that we did. And so now what makes us different is one, we take that paper model for the most part and we've packaged it up into really a touchscreen tablet-based system that will sign someone in, that will ask COVID-19 questions and I'll let Josh address the COVID-19 questions and also take a temperature instantaneously and then print that visitor or staff member or even resident that signs in and out a little badge that says I've been screened today. And so Josh, um, why don't you address the question of, of are you able to customize the COVID-19 questions? Where do they come from and how do you add those to the kiosk? Yeah, absolutely. So the questions on the on, that, that, that are offered, the screening questions are customizable for the reasons that we spoke about at the beginning is each state's different. Um, regulations change. Um, communities want to ask different things based on what's going on in their area. Um, so not only the key with the screening questions are is to hit them from every angle to make sure, like, like Charles mentioned, and we all know a lot of COVID people with COVID are asymptomatic. So those screening questions, making sure you ask those questions. Um, we will, you know, when we speak to somebody on a, uh, on a call, when we're selling, we, we recommend some questions. We talk to them about which questions might make the most sense for them mm-hmm. when they're installing the system, they're going to, they're going to speak with our team during the installation process about what makes most sense for them. Um, and then, you know, from that, from that angle, um, you know, what really makes us different is that when someone signs into a system, to our system, they have to be there to see somebody. And that goes back to really where safety and security was, has always been our mission. Um, we've been a safety and security senior living company um, for the past seven years. Um, and it's always been from knowing who's in your community up until COVID. So now, not only do you need to know who's in your community, you need to know that they've been properly screened. Um, and you need to know who they're there to see. Because if someone did come in with a high temperature, someone does come in with COVID, you need to be able to know who they were in contact with in the community. So there's a little lot of things that come in to a 30 to 45 second sign-in process that makes a world of a difference. There's so many different ways you can use that information to make your community better and a lot safer, um, a lot, a lot safer, not just from a COVID perspective, but from you need to know who's in your community, um, you know, not just let somebody walk by and come in. Um, so that's a, Little, little change the subject from the screener question. Yeah, and the, the, to, to, just to, to, to round that out, you know, I'm a believer that each sector, each type of visitor or each staff member, right? A staff member comes in, they're probably going to answer different questions than a volunteer potentially, right? Because they're answering the same questions every day when they sign in. And so that's the game I play with the residents in, in our community is I'll change those questions up. Right. So it's not the same every time. Right. So they can't just hit no, 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 no. 
right? They have to really read some of those questions. You can change those around. And as an operator, if you're running a, a skilled facility, you can log into your dashboard and you can change those questions within a few clicks. And it's very simple to do um, as far as changing those questions go. Taking a temperature as well, right? That's a big mm -hmm. part of it. To create your threshold, right? So when they sign in on that tablet and that temperature is taken, you know, at what stage do you wanna be alerted, right? So if you're the administrator of a facility and you wanna know if someone answers yes to a COVID-19 question or has a temperature over, let's say 100. If someone signs in, whether it's a staff member or a contractor, you can be alerted via text and email, letting you know that someone just signed in, that tested a temperature above the threshold that you said or answered uh, the COVID-19 questions incorrectly. And so wow. and it'll prompt them on the kiosk to please step aside and, and wait for, for someone yeah, put your hands out bring out the wand <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got it that suit from the ceiling yeah exactly. that's right yeah. um but one thing actually is you know what you guys were mentioning that just got me thinking also is that this is much bigger than just covid is much bigger than just infection control which each one of those are way yeah. more than sufficient yeah. but knowing where your people are without having to be bound to the book to the physical book mm -hmm. is so critical in emergency situations. There's a fire in the building. So we got all our residents are accounted for. What about the visitors? Who are the visitors? Who are they visiting? Now that the, now a certain resident is missing. Well, that resident has a visitor. Did the visitor take the resident out? Mm -hmm. You know, there's just so much information from a security standpoint, from a drug diversion standpoint, right? right. We, we know that every single time when this visitor is here, that resident receives a certain PRN med without getting too technical here, right? So what does that say? Uh, it's some, we're not missing anything, but it's suggestive of something, and that's something for us to look into. Um, you know, the certain staff member is in the building and shouldn't be in the building. Um, the hospice company says that they send over their aides are going to be there three times a week. Well, let's look at the check-in system. They're only there two times a week, or they're yeah. there four times a week. Why? What are they doing in my building if they shouldn't be yeah. there? They're providing yeah. extra care or there's some other stuff at going on again you know i'm just from putting on my administrator hat i don't always yeah. assume people are there for good reasons because sometimes right. they're not you know sometimes yeah. someone is on a restraining order and is not allowed to be within x number of feet of a certain uh, another person and it's not limited to residents like we're talking about staff sure it could be the administrator's wife <laughs> i don't know it could be anybody yeah. Yeah. to assume anything so nothing is said but if you set these alerts up Instead of saying, instead of the administrator, I'm now again from the administrative standpoint, instead of hearing a message on the third floor in, you know, in Jennifer's room, you know, the ex-boyfriend is there and they're yelling and there's a restraining order out on them. It's no, this person just checked in. You get alert on your phone like, oh, my gosh, let's do something. Mm -hmm. So it, there's so much there's so much more uh, benefit in having a good system of knowing who's in the building. Any system that you use, obviously, your system is does what exactly what you said but the concept is you know is really so critical i just see that we've really blown through the end time here and you've really both provided so much value uh to our listeners about the screening process in general and specifically how it works within the senior care settings if our viewers and uh who are watching live and listening live um want to learn more and if the podcast listeners want to learn more about your company uh, where's the best place uh, for us to send them? 
Sure. Uh, I think the best place to go is our website. Um, we have a very detailed website about what we do um, and how we do it and why we do it. Um, and there is a, a place on there that says contact us uh, in which and where you can and basically schedule a demo uh, with us. Get on about Josh it. Josh will reach back out okay. to you. Yeah. <laughs> so my, my calendar links on the website. So it's, it's my cell phone might be on there too somewhere. So <laughs> see how Josh turns alive when you start talking about sales. <laughs> Not that he wasn't <laughs> like get the, book that appointment, baby. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, uh, so head on to AccuShield.com. Um, you could, if you're interested in learning more, you can head hit the contact uh, contact us button. To learn more about, to see this episode, this episode will be live at the nursing home podcast.com. While there, you can look at the other episodes that we've had um, and is continuing to grow this week. Actually, is a big podcast recording week. I think we have four coming this week, but we're not going to dump them all on you at the same time, but you'll be able to see all the other podcasts there as well. So again, that's the nursing home podcast.com. And to learn more about uh, what Charles and Josh is doing at AccuShield, head on to AccuShield.com. For all those who tuned in today on LinkedIn or Facebook, um, or those who are listening at the the Nursing Home Podcast, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Charles and Josh, thank you so much for coming and sharing with us. This information um, has been really, really beneficial and frankly enjoyable great time hanging out with yeah. you guys yeah and we will offer a 10 percent discount just reference the nursing home podcast when you give us a call and we'd love to work with you awesome so for those who didn't hear this yeah if you didn't listen to them we'll put that in the show notes <laughs> charles, charles is generously offering a 10 percent discount if you mention the nursing home podcast of which five percent no i'm joking <laughs> all of that is coming from Josh's commission. I'm just putting it out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right. So, guys, let's hit him up. Um, you get that 10% promo. Just mention the Nursing Home Podcast uh, when you're reaching out to the team. So, thank you guys for listening. And as always, we'll be back at you with the next episode of the Nursing Home Podcast.com. Now that you've enjoyed this episode of the Nursing Home Podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd rate this podcast and let everyone else know what an amazing resource this is for those wanting to learn anything and everything about the nursing home industry. So head on over to ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Leave me a review and let the world know what an amazing show this truly is. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to stay tuned and subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes.